All right, everybody. Today, we're talking about building a $26 million real estate portfolio and buying a 49-unit apartment building and so much more. Let's go. Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to the podcast. So before we dive headfirst into today's conversation, and today is a interview style podcast episode with a good friend of mine and somebody I've known for, geez, for better part of well over a decade, probably coming on 15 years now. Uh, but before we dive into it, I just wanted to always, you know, I always like starting off with some gratitude. So I wanted to just thank each and every one of you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing the message. Thank you for keep coming back on uh, a weekly basis. And if you haven't come back on a weekly basis, or if this is your first time here, just wanted to welcome you with, uh, you know, big giant Saskatchewan, howdy doody, <laughs> how, how you doing and uh, wonderful things like that. So if you are brand new, come on in, make yourself at home. Um, this is a safe place to learn. This is a safe place to um, help you bust through some obstacles to help you move forward. And you know what? Just want to offer a whole bunch of value. Want to bring you a lot of value. And some days we want to bring just a whole bunch of fire and maybe some motivation and some insights and some really good old-fashioned how-to knowledge aligning with some great people. So before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to just... Um, what I wanted to do is set it up a little bit. So it's funny, and, and I, I may have mentioned this on a podcast or 10 ago. You know, it's funny, uh, between all the YouTube videos and all the podcast episodes, plus being on other people's podcasts, sometimes I'm getting going, geez, am I losing track of all the stories and things that I've shared? So with this one, um, I found this episode that I'm about to share with you. And interesting to note, I have terabytes and terabytes of hard drives sitting on my desk. And I'm going to put this out here. I'm going to actually just see it. If any of you are listening to this and maybe you um, know somebody or maybe you um, have somebody in your life or, you know, a niece or a nephew or somebody younger, younger generation that is interested in learning about podcast editing and taking digital content and digital media and bringing it into bite-sized chunks and long-form episodes. If you have anyone in your world that maybe you would like to introduce them to myself, I'm looking for some re additional resources to get the message out on a wider scale. I have a couple people right now, but I'd, I'd like to put it out to my network first and foremost. If any of you have anyone, or maybe it's you, maybe you like uh, you have an affinity or like to get into the digital digital arts and the digital digital media and video and audio and images and all that kind of stuff. If you'd like to maybe reach out, by all means, um, hit me up on my website. Go to my website, russellwescott.com, and there will be a contact, uh, one of the contact pages. I think the email address is hello at russellwescott.com, and also in the show notes of this podcast if you uh, want to jump into that as well. So here's the reason why I'm asking that is because I found this episode. I have, like I said, terabytes and terabytes of hard drives sitting around in my office. And I have just so many things that I've recorded over the years that just haven't seen the light of day. Like truly, maybe they were done for a smaller group or maybe they were done on a Facebook live broadcast a couple of years ago. And, you know, they're not searchable and people haven't probably watched it. And uh, that's what this is. I was going through this podcast through my hard drive and I was just cleaning up some files and I'm, I'm trying to just try and create some space on my, on my computer and my team's computer and my, my daughter's computer who does a lot of this and she only has a, you know, 500 megabyte hard drive or something. So we were just trying to free up some space and looking at, I came across and I go, what's this? What's this? Oh, that was that interview I did with Sam Perrin. And we talked about his apartment building, you know, the portfolio he's built so far and buying that 49 unit apartment building. We had this wonderful conversation. I said, you know what? I don't think I've ever brought that out. So lo and behold, what you're about to listen to is a, a wonderful conversation between myself and Sam Perrin, who is a incredible real estate investor of the Kamloops area, but he invests in some different areas, but he is the go-to expert in Kamloops. And there's something to be, something to learn from that as well as being known for somebody who goes to an area. For example, if I ever wanted to go to Kamloops, 
first person I would think about would be Sam Parent. If I ever wanted to go to um, Sudbury, first person I would probably be thinking about would be Zach Gale. If I wanted to go to Hamilton, oh, lo and behold, before Irwin started branding himself differently, he was Mr. Hamilton, right? So are you branding yourself? Are you known for a go-to expert in a certain area? Okay. One of the things that I um, have put out as well is I've also put this on my YouTube channel. So I actually put this out on my YouTube channel. Now, depending on timing of when these are all released, um, it might not be out just yet, but it is definitely coming up very soon, is I put out a video on YouTube on how a realist, how you can use YouTube to acquire more properties. As a real estate investor, how do you use the YouTubes? Now, I'm here to tell you right off the bat is usually I don't share those kind of messages is because I usually only share things that I'm like, you know, I have a lot of experience in 10, 20 years experience. And I'm, you know, I would consider myself uh, an expert at that topic. But when it came to this YouTube thing is I'm, I'm, I'm learning. I'm honestly just getting going on it and just started making a commitment to diving into it. And I was just sharing something with one of my coaching clients on just what they should do to brand themselves and to get their message out on YouTube. And I was just walking them through a little tutorial on how to do some analytics, how to um, look at YouTube through the algorithm, how to look at a lot of the insights on the backside, because I have some coaching and consulting that uh, people that I work with to help me get my channel off the ground in a bigger way. Okay. So I shared that with them and they were going, Russ, that's amazing. Wow. That is so insightful of what you got. And I go, really? I, I, I really didn't know. I, I really didn't know that I, I knew much about this because I'm getting some coaching myself. I'm getting some consulting. I'm actually just being a practitioner to get that out. So um, what I've done is I created a little video and I took a clip from a live training that I did of sharing with you how to use YouTube as a real estate investor. We went into some pretty in-depth um, tutorial on the back end on the analytics, maybe some of the videos you should shoot, stuff like that. Because, you know, all these tools of distributing your message and all these tools of audio, this podcast you're listening to right now, the videos that you put out, all these tools, the, the images that you take, the blog articles, all those things that you publish are just getting your word out to a larger audience. And in the world for real estate investors, you know, first of all, you need to be an amazing practitioner on how to buy properties, how to analyze properties, how to be an operator of the business. But you also have to be an expert Either you or someone on your team needs to be an expert on distributing the message, getting your message out to a large audience. And that's one of the things that I, I'm doing here, for example, on my podcast is trying to get the message that I have out to a large audience larger audience. Maybe come down the road as some people will sit there and go, you know what, I'm going to contact Russ. He talked about this Edmonton marketplace. Uh, you know, I'm going to hit him up and see what he has to offer in that place. And maybe he has a project or two, or maybe he has an investment opportunity out there as well. And it's just a matter of just keep getting the message out there. Just keep showing up, but not just show up. You know, there's, there's that old, there's an old saying is, you know, showing up is half the battle. Well, you know what, if, if that's the only standard of criteria you have is just to show up, you might want to raise your standard a little bit. Uh, you know, you need to show up, you need to show up with purpose. You need to show up with intention. You need to show up with preparedness. You need to show up with discipline. Not only just show up, you need to be show, you need to show up and ready to rock. Now, speaking of that, where I just actually heard that whole thing about showing up with, you know, prepared purpose, intention, and discipline, um, book referral for everybody. Um, one of my favorite books of all time that I have read. And this isn't for the faint of heart, everyone. This is hardcore. This is a hardcore um, coach and a hardcore trainer who wrote this book. So the first book uh, I'm going to recommend is Relentless by Tim S. Grover. Now, I believe I've mentioned this multiple times on my podcast, uh, a couple times. So if you have not read Relentless by Tim S. Grover, please pick it up. Now, if you're not familiar with that name, Tim Grover is the personal um, coach and personal trainer for some of the highest performing 
athletes and basketball players, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, Charles Barkley's, the likes of that. So he has seen some of the best of the best, highest performing um, people, and he's been their personal coach in in physical standpoint, but also on mental. Okay, so that's the first book, Relentless by Tim S. Grover. And the reason I say that is because he just launched his new book called Winning. And I just devoured that book. I got it two days ago, and I just finished the audiobook on it. And now I'm about to probably go through it again, and I'm also about to get the um, the paperback version as well. So it's Tim S. Grover winning the unforgivable, unforgiving race to greatness, winning. So I highly encourage each and every one of you to pick up that book, and not only pick it up, read it. Not only read it, devour get into it, immerse yourself into it. And then the final thing is execute against something you learn from it. So for example, I just heard something this morning talking about showing up, showing up with purpose, intention, discipline, and that. And I'm now sharing that message on a podcast today. And I'm trying to be more intentional as I show up and how more intentional and purposeful and more disciplined as I keep showing up. Okay, so that's some insight for you today as well. Okay, so with all that being said, um, today's uh, podcast episode, once again, I mentioned it's Sam Perrin, a wonderful real estate investor from Kamloops. And Sam and I talk about apartment buildings. Uh, we talk about how Sam has amassed, uh, you know, at the time of this recording, it was $26 million portfolio. And he had just mentioned when we were doing a webinar within the uh, Raising Capital Academy community, he had mentioned that, you know, we just wrote an offer on another 49-unit apartment building. So I said, Sam, we need to get on and have a wonderful conversation. So we recorded that a couple years ago now, and uh, the message is still applicable, 100% applicable, because we talked a lot about, you know, building a larger portfolio. We talk about where do you get the capital. We talk a lot about some of the lead gen, how do you do the qualification, you know, each one of those steps that I share with you throughout this entire podcast episodes, if you go to episodes 34 to 39 and you want more of a detailed look in it, this is textbook, what Sam is doing, but he just executes at a velocity that not everybody executes against. And every person listening to this podcast can do what Sam has done and can execute to that level as well. I know you can. It just means that maybe you have the right coaching, the right mentors, the right people on your side, you get held accountable. But most importantly is you fall in love with the work. You put the work in and day after day after day, you just keep putting the work in. And lo and behold, after 20 years of doing this, you become an overnight success. Okay, gang, with all that being said, make sure you listen to this entire podcast episode right to the end. There'll be a little message for you at the end. Okay, everybody, let's get after it. Um, we were having one of our implementation webinars at the Raising Capital Academy. And one of the things we do during that time is we set some side of time, set aside some time to have a conversation about some success stories, like who's doing action. And, you know, within the community of the Raising Capital Academy, so many people are just taking action. It's almost the entire webinar is just talking about the action people are taking. And one of the members on the call that night just said, oh, yeah, and oh, by the way, oh, shucks, you know, just another day at the office. Oh, we're just closing up. We're just buying another 49-unit apartment building. So I said, oh, 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 hold the phone. We need to hear more about this story. So what I've done here is we're booking a separate time, and we're going to dive headfirst into it. But I have a... Fun thing, I'm going to introduce a really good friend of mine, a real estate investing expert. And it's funny, I mentioned it to him. I go, do you want to send some pictures, you know, some property pictures or portfolio pictures? So, you know, like a good real estate investor and a guy who's on top of his numbers. So here's what he sent me. He sent me a spreadsheet of his portfolios of all the properties that he's bought along the way. And as you can see, a couple things that jump out to me, one off the hop, a $26 million portfolio right off the hop. The other is all these things you see in blue here, raised funds. Well, that's one of the key things you want to do. And we're going to talk about how did he come up with the capital to buy this kind of a portfolio. So guys, without any further delay, I am going to introduce you to, guys, here's Sam Perrin. Sam, how are you doing today, brother? Hi, Russell. A pleasure to be here. Sam, you got a, you know, are you on Mars there? You got a green, you're all looking green in the background there. What's going on, my brother? 
Well, it's funny. I'm actually doing a webinar for uh, the last um, capital raise uh, for a project that I'm working on uh, um, just for the last uh, phase of it. So uh, I'll be having my face small and uh, and the slides uh, large. So this is my uh, experimentation for that. So nice. So you're just you're not you're not going to another planet on us or anything like that, brother. No, no, no. There's something for those that aren't familiar. There's something called a chroma key, and a lot of the softwares out there you can. Um, you can you can put in the background whatever you want. So yeah. I hope you don't uh, take advantage of me, Russell, and uh, and put me uh, somewhere uh, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't want to be. <laughs> well, Sam, you've got me inspired. Maybe that'll be the next broadcast. I'll have to chroma key things out, and, right? <laughs> you know what? Put I you like in front of I, your apartment building. The truth is, uh, your your office is a lot nicer than mine, and this is what I used to hide it. So. <laughs> yeah, that's what some people do when they don't have a background that they want to show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, first of all, Sam, thank you very much. And I know how crazy busy you are. And I just I'm just honored that you've taken the time to to want to share with us today. But but seriously, no joke, when we were on that implementation webinar and Sam just it, it was funny because you were right in the middle of cooking dinner while you were doing yeah. that too, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, maybe that speaks to how you know, when you make this a full-time gig, it, it, you, uh, it's in your blood and you eat, live and breathe and eat real estate. But so, and I mean, you said I was really nonchalant. Well, I mean, the fact is I was working that deal for, you know, six to eight months, I guess, from start to finish or to close was even longer than that, probably 10 months. So it becomes very routine. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's, it's, it sounds it's super exciting. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, it's, it's very, uh, uh, and it's important to stay excited about it. So I'm glad that uh, you recognize that. Well, funny, funny, you should say yeah, it becomes routine. So people that are watching this going, yeah, I, I hope I become to the point where buying a 49 unit apartment building is routine. Yeah, yeah. Or well, just work. Yeah, you got to have staying power to be able to work a deal for upwards of a year so. Nice. Well, Sam, why don't we dive into this? So you're out in Kamloops, British Columbia. I'm sorry, I should say beautiful Kamloops, British Columbia. And this broadcast is going out to a national base. It's actually going out to North North American wide. It's interesting how I'm making some big, big inroads into the States. And yeah. all my, I think my last five consultations have all been with people that have been in the U.S. So the word is getting out and it's spreading and it's growing through the powers of the interwebs and the YouTubes and the Facebooks. So yeah. if people were wanting to know who this Sam Perrin guy is, you know, maybe give us your, your Coles notes, nickel tour through who you are, brother. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So I don't, I'm an Albertan. Well, I grew up in Alberta and, uh, um, Came up uh, and moved to Kelowna, actually, in the middle of British Columbia to play football. Met my wife there. Worked a bunch of jobs that went nowhere. Dropped out of school after, you know, a year, year and a half or, or two years of uh, university courses. And uh, saw an ad that the RCMP was hiring. So I took a job um, that from the time that I applied to the time I was off in depot starting to learn how to march was eight months. So it was during one of the hiring blitzes. So... They, they would take just about anybody. But uh, I, uh, I, so I, I showed up for, uh, for, for that, served my country for, uh, for nine years. And, and uh, between doing that, I, my first posting was an isolated post in, uh, in the Queen Charlotte's, uh, or Haida Gwaii, as it's known, Masset. And when I was moving from Masset to a real city where the government doesn't provide your housing, I had to buy a house. I didn't know how to buy a house. And that's how I um, ended up buying a book. And the book was Real Estate Investing in Canada, which introduced me to, um, you know, that whole network and to you because you were one of the main educators at that time. And it really lit a fire inside of me. And, it, and uh, I didn't see, on my end, I couldn't see uh, uh, the, the map of my career. But the reason why I sent that to you to show is because you see that things started really, really slowly for me in the real estate space. And 2009, the only thing that we ended up buying was a house with a basement suite. And uh, we ended up renting that and the income. Uh, we really fell in love with, you know, uh, rental income. And then bought another house on our own with our own funds. And of course, ran out of money. And right around that time, there was a big, thick binder that was about a thousand bucks being uh, being sold for um, uh, th through uh, um, uh, that 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 network that I uh, used to work at. And um, and then you came out with with this book, right? So um, 
And that's, that's when things really started to change for me. Cause I spent, I was trying to earn extra money and there wasn't enough overtime shifts. And the idea was I was trying to save money for down payments. Well, long story short, I spent three years um, becoming kind of the busiest junk removal company in uh, Kamloops. And at the end of the day, I think when I finally shut down the business and let the employees go, I lost about $20,000. So I learned a lot. That's where I learned how to do websites and marketing and and uh, kind of handle staff and employees and stuff. But it was a failed business venture because I didn't actually uh, make a good income out of it. Um, what I should have done instead was just follow what you had taught the whole time and stop chasing too many rabbits, learn how to raise the capital. I don't know why I had such an aversion of how to do that, how to structure deals, but I, I probably could have, my career could have been three years faster if I just had followed your advice uh, uh, from the beginning. Wow. So, so yeah. imagine, you know, being a football player and, you know, you're not a, you're a big strapping guy, right? They probably put you in those posts, right? Because of you know, you're able to handle, you're able to handle challenging areas, I would imagine, right? Yeah. And, you know, and I'm a, and I'm a First Nations descent as well, right? So um, that has something to do with it. I, I, have, I have some, yeah, I, I scored pretty high. Like uh, I was, uh, I kind of joked that they were taking anybody at the time. But I, I mean, I was, I was the top of my troop. For almost everything except for driving, I'm kind of a terrible driver, but uh, academics and all that stuff, and and yeah, being a bigger guy helps too, I guess. Yeah. So, so 2009, and you know, as we're tape, uh, recording this, 2019, 10 years, 26 million dollar mm. portfolio. You've been suffice it to say, you've been busy. Yeah, yeah, you bet. Yeah, and, and really, the bulk of it happened when I um um. My wife, my wife and I should start maybe from the beginning and how I became full time. My wife and I uh, couldn't have children, so we ended up adopting. Uh, now we have three children, and um, I found that uh, family life was not very conducive to my shift work, and I was getting really tired of the job too. My wife works as a teacher, and we had enough of a real estate portfolio where the rental, in, where the uh, the management fees, instead of paying a manager, we could use some of that income to support ourselves, some of the business income. And, uh, and my wife, my wife was still working. So we decided, um, and I was getting pretty miserable at the job. Um, so we decided that we'd take the risk and I, I could leave. You can take up to a, I think a three year absence and get back into, uh, the job without having to go for retraining. So, uh, so I did that. I took, I took my early retirement. I took my pension contributions, um, which was about 100, 100 grand in cash and 100 grand in a lira that you can't use. And we can talk more about that later. Can't use it till you're 65 anyway. But uh, use, use that, that $100,000 in cash and, uh, you know, um, as uh, I guess cover our living expenses and really focused on the real estate, um, reinvigorated the local club here. You came out and supported that as one of our kind of key speakers. And um, the success of that first meeting, I put my heart and soul into it yeah. of getting people there. I, I was I was I sold some tickets, but I gave most of them away. I begged people to come and 100 people showed up. It was pretty it was pretty cool as a successful event. And the most valuable thing for me that came out of that event was I was approached um, by a, a local um, uh, by a physician who's now my business partner, Rod McLaren. And he said, wow, Sam, you sure got some get up and go. And uh, why don't you help me? Because I'm too busy. I can't get to the next level where I want to be. He bought a couple of apartment buildings on his own. He said, yeah, you, you can help me, you know, create some buzz because obviously you're a big action taker and good at, good at doing that. So I, so I said, absolutely. And at this point, I, I had onesies and twosies and I'd done, done some flips, but I, had, I didn't do any apartment buildings on my own. My, the single family was really taken off. I, I did buy a bunch, um, like several properties a year um in that time and then uh yeah rod and i partnered on a 35 unit apartment building wow so yeah wow well the one thing i'm going to say sam for you 100 is you're you're an ins i i would almost call me you almost like an instant implementer almost a shoot first ask questions later kind of guy pardon the pun um and and it's like you know you you make decisions quickly you implement and then you figure it out on the way, right? That's one of the things you do. And so how long have you been in this gig full-time as a, as a, as a full-time as you're in your business? Uh, I guess it's been three and a half years. 
So we've been, uh, yeah, January 1st, 2016 is when I left, uh, the, the, you know, my job. And some people think, well, that's crazy. You're leaving a good pension. You're leaving a good um, job. But the, the mindset that, that I got freed up from leaving that job and taking that risk. And actually, a friend of ours, Rich Danby, was my coach for a year yep. um, right when I left because uh, like he was my uh, real estate coach. And I, I picked him because he had young children and had just left his career as well um, several years before. So I thought we were kind of relatable. And he helped me a great deal as well uh, with some of the advice uh, that he gave. So I got to give credit to Rich. But it, what leaving g- gave me was the headspace um, that I needed to do the work required to, to make that first purchase, which is a 35 uh, unit building um, a couple years ago. Yeah. 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 Well done, brother. All right. So let's, let's dive into it. So, uh, you know, I teased everybody at the beginning with this whole thing about your latest purchase, a 49 unit apartment building, but suffice it to say, you've been working and building up to this, you know, you, you actually bought a 72 unit apartment building before one of the first apartment buildings you bought, wasn't it 72 units? Yeah. Yeah. So one year, the first year was a 35 unit building. The next one was a, was a 72 unit building. And, you know, we pulled something out of your, your playbook that you taught and we got a million dollar BTB on that one. So that was uh, great, great to get that. And we didn't have to raise as much money for, for that. Thanks to that uh, vendor take back. But um, yeah. And then with the one we just closed, it took, it was about, I guess about eight months working on it. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk, let's share some of the details. Deal. If you wouldn't mind, maybe um, where it's at, uh, you know, everybody will be jumping in there. They might want to know some numbers, maybe some cap rates, some of the things that you, some, some top line numbers. Cause you know, feel, feel comfortable to share with what you feel relevant. A big hang up a lot of people have is where do you find deals? Well, a lot of the deals in this one in Vernon as well, um, my favorite deals are stale MLS listings. So you get a, a guy, somebody, you know, a seller, they decide they want to sell. They talk to a realtor who maybe isn't very experienced. Or what we find, um, especially in, in the Camus market, is a Vancouver realtor will get the listing because they do a lot of advertising. They send out flyers to um, to owners. Um, and now as an owner, I'm starting to get those flyers, right? So I can, I can see who they are. And there's, you know, there's a handful, two or three that are actually sending out flyers across the whole province, but they get these flyers from Vancouver. So they, they, they enter into a listing agreement with a, a Vancouver realtor. Well, Vancouver realtors are used to very high cap rate or low cap rates. So our listing buildings are way too expensive. So usually we'll end up with, uh, a tired seller that's been trying to sell a building for months. They need money because they've got another project they want to finance or um, whatever personal reason that they decided they wanted to sell. It still exists. And they've had their time wasted by one or two or maybe three buyers that can't close or they can't get the financing because even if they want to close, the banks won't allow it because it's, uh, it's just priced too high. So then they'll finally make a price reduction after uh, a big length of time and uh, and that'll be pretty close to what the market value actually is. And then you can go in there and, and maybe get even a bit more of a discount. And that's exactly what happened in Vernon. There was a bunch of people that looked at the deal and offered on it before before we did. And um, and yeah, I was yeah, looking. Yeah. Funny story about how, how you got your offer accepted over over everybody else there, Sam. And I'm trying to remember what it was originally listed for. I think six point three million dollars. And. Um, and we ended up getting it for, yeah, yeah. Well, we had an appraisal at six point one, but I, I couldn't believe the rents that he was getting there because in Vernon, which is a town of forty thousand people, and this was our first deal outside of Kamloops, and in Vernon, a uh, town of forty thousand people, their rent was like a hundred or two hundred dollars higher, and I just didn't think that sounded right because our market's on fire here in Kamloops with really high rents and they're filling quick. So when I saw his rent roll with half the units couple hundred bucks higher than what what we had I thought there's no way but uh, you know my partner Rod McLaren he was very persistent and did a lot of the legwork required to find out what the rents actually are and in a market that's 40,000 people there's no native real estate expert in there that's kind of providing the stats there's no Mr. Vernon right so hey there's an opportunity for somebody right I mean uh, if you want to become a local expert Um, anyway so but Rod did the work and found that yeah actually that's what rents are. So we have a building now where half the rents are, um, are, are significantly below market. And if you know anything about the cap rate formula, every dollar of income in the interior cities of British Columbia, there's basically $240. Every dollar of monthly net income 
is $240 of building value. So if you've got, you know, $10,000, $10,000 of, uh, of increased rent, well, then you've got, you've got, um, yeah, if you got, if you can increase the net income by $10,000 at a five cap, that's $2.4 million in equity that you can create. And eventually that's what we want to do is, is, you know, over five years, let's say, do, do that. And then that, that'll give us enough money to return all investors capital. And, um, and, uh, they're, they're super happy. And then there's an equity split and all that. So did you hear what Sam said? So, so if I'm going to just bookend summarize it for you, you're right. buying, you were buying this property in Vernon under rented. And because of the way multifamily properties are valued, you're getting a better deal on it because it's under rented and the, you know, the, the um, net, net operating income is low. So you're getting a better price. Correct. You have a really good upside to get those rents up to a market rent or maybe a little bit above market rent, which can then jack up the building, you know, in valuation in your estimation, potentially could, you know, upwards of 2.4 million. But for every one dollar increase in net operating income is, is two, worth two hundred forty dollars to you. Is that correct? At a five cap. Yeah. On a five cap. Every, every market is different. And um, yeah, Canvas is a higher than that. Canvas is probably a five point five cap. Right is what buildings are kind of trading for here. And we're looking at another market now and it looks like it's headed, it looks like it's at a four and a half cap, but it looks like it's headed to a three and a half cap. And I'm thinking, do I really want to get into that? Maybe it's time to look, you know, somewhere else. Right? Yep. So, yep. so how did you get your offer accepted amongst the other, cause you had mentioned there was some competing, were there were some competing offers at the same time? No, there was no others. Um, it was just kind of sitting there. It looked, and, and this thing too is people's buy, there's not a lot of multifamily buyers. So when you see something's way overpriced, they kind of, they've looked at it already and they don't necessarily notice when the price reductions happen. Right. And I was actually looking at flip properties in Kelowna and I just in passing mentioned to my, to the realtor that was showing me properties that I was interested in flipping as kind of a side business. Um, oh yeah. You know, if you can never find an apartment building, um, you know, under 10 million bucks, um, I, I'd like to take a serious look at it. And the guy is persistent and found and look, he's like, Hey, look at this old listing from Vernon. I said, Oh yeah, 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 I've looked at that. He's like, Oh, you should at least, you should at least look at it. <laughs> so, but yeah, so I, I went to, or Rod and I took a road trip out and Hey, yeah, you know what? There's actually some potential here. And after lots of research, um, on verifying what the actual rents could be. And it's close to the hospital, right? So that's, that's great. So there's, um, there's, there's that. Um, but, uh, and after speaking with, uh, the appraisers, like I called a bunch of appraisers, you know, um, cause we had to hire one anyway to get appraisal for the building. Um, trying to get a sense of what buildings you're trading for in Vernon. And the problem with smaller markets is there's not a lot of not, sometimes there's not a lot of inventory that's trading, so they have no idea. They're using comparables from all the way in Penticton. They're using our buildings that we bought in Kaloops as comps, right? They, they, they had to use a shopping mall, which, of course, has lower cap rate. Um, like, these are some of their comps, and they're asking me for my input of what I think the thing is worth. And I'm like, well, I want a big mortgage, so yeah. it's probably worth a lot, right? <laughs> well, you had so. mentioned you negotiated a vendor take back on this too, did you not? No, not this one. No, that was, was a different one. Okay. That was, yeah, that was last year's deal. Awesome. Well, and then you did on our conversation briefly two days ago on the phone, you mentioned that there was a, a really big wrinkle that was thrown into this at the last second. Guy that uh, that had the listing because it was it got taken away from the first realtor. He, I don't know if he has any multifamily experience. He was kind of just a friend or something like that. So he made a mistake in the listing um, commission. And uh, and said that the listing or that that the buy that the agent the buyer the agent that brings a buyer gets the whole commission. <laughs> so my realtor was expecting a check this big, you know, or this big, you know. <laughs> and, One of the happy. And, and then it was, and it was then then he then he found it was going to be half. Well, that caused a big stink and dispute. And um, and uh, what ended up happening is the. Uh, and it shouldn't it shouldn't affect us as the buyers because it's it's a separate arrangement between the realtors, but um, they've been trying to get leverage on on us to pressure the realtor. Um, the uh, the selling realtor had his uh, sister 
um, pretend to be a lawyer and call us and trying to threaten to blow up the deal. And, and she is, she's an articling student, actually. <laughs> so so she does have some knowledge of the law. So she sounded a bit scary, like like she, you know, and this is in the final days before closing. Right. So but anyway, one of the, we, one of the, the lawyer that we use is somebody from from your network, Russell, and uh, and he um, we you know gave the situation to him and he was able to, to squash it. Um, it did cost, you know, 2000 bucks because, of course, it was after hours and there was lengthy emails and phone calls exchanged telling this article student to, uh, you know, um, you better be careful. You're not going to ever be licensed to practice in B.C. <laughs> that type thing. And you're not allowed to be speaking or reaching out to another lawyer's clients directly and on and on. But uh, but, yeah, there's always wrinkles in every deal like you know, whether it's you're trying to find find the money or. And they whatever. usually happen at the last minute. Always the biggest, the, the wrinkles usually happen last minute. And what you just do is you just pivot and just make it happen. Right. Yeah. All right. So quick math here, Sam. So hope to hate to put you on the spot. So it's a two point four million dollar deal. What kind of mortgage did you get in value and how much capital did you need to close on it? Give ballpark. Well, it was a it was a four million dollar $4.1 million mortgage. And the, the property was actually uh, bought for oh, sorry, five. I wrote down the wrong number. My mistake. <laughs> yeah, that's the upside that, I've, that we're hoping for. The building was purchased, yeah, August 7th was our closing date. We actually bought it for $5.6 million. Okay. And change. We, our appraisal was $6.1 million, And the bank kind of lent on that. There was the, a... The bank lent on the, the appraised value. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah, pretty close anyway. Well, they, they typically and in, in, on commercial financing lend on the on the net operating incomes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we got a we got a mortgage from uh, Canadian Western Bank at three point nine percent for roughly four million, I think four point one million maybe. Um, but we got so we have some built in equity from day one of four hundred sixty five thousand dollars. But we've got a significant repair in the elevator that's going to be like $130,000 and as well as the roof. And we're getting quotes anywhere from 60 to $150,000. So we're still trying to figure the roof needs to be done now before before winter. So we're going to spend probably, you know, $250,000 on repairs, just on stuff that actually doesn't add income. It just keeps your building from getting destroyed. Yep. Okay. So 5.6 million. You got a yeah. four four and change mortgage, so you needed you know one point six plus some other rent. How much money did you need in your best estimation to close with repairs, with contingencies and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, we picked a number. We wanted a big fat contingency fund because we uh, we went skinny on our first deal and we're paying for it now. <clears throat> we have an insurance claim on that thirty five unit building for a fire. And uh, money is really tight. We're trying to avoid cash calls on that one, um, but we learned our lesson from that one, and we raised uh, a lot of lot lot extra to do all the renovations. So we raised two point two five million. Um, okay, so two point two five million. Um, now, did that two point two five million dollars come from your bank account, Sam? No. Yeah, <laughs> you wish. No. But well, in the beginning, all the diligence costs, we pay for that. So if the deal doesn't close, we're out, you know, 50 grand, right? Yeah. So that you, you are taking a big risk up front because, um, you know, ob- obviously no one's going to pay you your $50,000 if a deal collapses. Yeah. So. Well, let's get into um, the, so let's just call it 2.25 million. How did you, you know, if it's the, if the money wasn't in your account, uh, where was the money and what did you do to, to, to tap into, into that in order to get 2.25 million to close the place? <laughs> somebody should, uh, can you see Somebody this? should write a book about it. Somebody should write a book about it. And, uh, you know, there, there's one, I know, I think you got maybe another one coming and I happen to know somebody that has an absolutely amazing course. Um, guy named guy by the name of the JV Jedi. Oh. Um, <laughs> no, but in, in, all, blushing. Thank you. in all sincerity, it, uh, um, everything that you've taught and I've been implementing over the last 10 years, um, some, and trying other things too. Um, it, uh, that, you know, that, that's what made it work. I mean, like I've got another book here and if anybody ever gets a chance to co-author a book with somebody, 
I highly recommend it because um, not only like this was a book co-authored through uh, Ozzy Jurok's group. Um, actually, I think he sold the group now. But anyway, um, he uh, he said, hey, do you want to co-author a book? You're a real estate investor. Um, there'll be 45 people or 47 people, including me. And um, to be honest, that probably propelled my career more than anything, because I think it was twenty five hundred dollars was my share of the of the of the costs of the book. And in exchange for that, I get 100 books with my face on the cover. Right. And, one, you know, a chapter in there where, where you're helping people. And um, and it's, it's a really nice piece of credibility that you can you can uh, hand out at events that you're hosting or whatever. But even even more than that is for the small cost of 2,500 bucks, you are now a co-author of a best-selling book because um, you get 100 bucks, every, every one of the 45 people get 100 bucks, a bunch of them get sold on Amazon. It doesn't take long to get past that 5,000 bookmark. In Canada, a best-seller uh, is 5,000 bucks. So I am a best-selling author. Yeah, de facto right? expert. For Yeah, for writing one chapter and... How easy is it now for me to call up other successful real estate investors and say, "Hey, um, we we published a book together. Can I? Can we? Can we chat?" Hmm. <laughs> right? I think uh, Sam, you actually just gave me my next idea for a book. Is maybe I co-author? Maybe we put out a raising capital book and we have people write the chapters in it. Yeah, yeah, that would be fantastic. Because <laughs> like anybody that started listening to you, Russell, ten years ago, and implementing, they've got some money now. Right. I mean, I've got sixty thousand dollars in an RSP account burning a hole in my pocket and I can't find a good deal to put it in. So, well, Sam, after we're done, I can help you out with that. <laughs> oh, excellent. OK, <laughs> so no. no so so um, where, was it within your network? Well, let's put it this way. Where the investors came from was you 10 years of your hard work and you're pounding the pavement and meeting people and networking and yeah. showing up and putting on meetup groups and just out yeah. there networking and a business partner who was a doctor who had a network of other doctors. And so it wasn't just one thing. It was everything, if you really think about it. Yeah. You know, my, my Rod McLaren uh, was a really amazing strategic partner. He's got all the strengths that I'm missing. Like he's got a super impeccable, clean office and his organization and skills are, are, uh, are amazing. And, um, and he's well-respected. He's been a physician for 15 years. You know, all the other physicians in town recognize his name. Um, and, uh, it's pretty easy to get their ear, um, instead of, Hey, it's Sam, the real estate guy. <laughs> you want to talk about something and they're so busy. They just don't have time for that. But if you're like, you know, I work with, with, uh, Dr. McLaren, um, you know, do you have a minute to talk about real estate? Um, that that's that uh then they say oh yeah i know rod we he's you know really well respected and we've, we've treated patients together in the past and yeah I'd, I'd take a a listen to that or whatever and um and that that really helped yeah for, well yeah you the, mentioned once that you were you were trying some outbound marketing and you had your name on it and then all of a sudden you said you know i'm going to put my ego on the back and it now all the letters were coming from dr rod mclaren weren't they yeah the, yeah the open rate was definitely a lot a lot better um cool. Not, you know, so a strategic partner is good and, and, and having a partner who, cause it's really discouraging to like do a, a thousand cold calls. <laughs> it just kicks your ass. But if you do it, some of them will actually land. Yep. Right. And, but most people are going to give up at 20. Right. So, and, uh, and I, you know, I took Grant Cardone's training on, on cold calls and toughening yourself up for the, all the rejections and trying to get through the gatekeeper. And by the way, you can get through gatekeep gatekeepers if you co-author a book, um, uh, with, with somebody and say, Hey, I'm a, I'm a co-author of that book. But anyway, uh, yeah. The, the, so the, the cold calling, um, Rod already had a, uh, a group of, uh, of people from his apartment buildings, you know, handful, maybe five or whatever. So there was some referrals out of that, but that first, in that first, um, that first 35 unit building was definitely the hardest because that was, that was a million and a half dollar raise, or maybe it was a $2 million dollar raise. And it was, uh, I mean, we were scrambling at the last minute. I found somebody with the last $250,000 and that was just and I, like, I hired my, I, I have a virtual assistant. I hired, I got her to send Facebook messages to everybody, like private Facebook messages. 
hey, are you interested in a – and I actually got a lot of negative feedback from that, so I would well, not recommend it. <laughs> but but here's the thing. You did what it took. Anything right? and everything, right? Most people will sit there and have an excuse as opposed yeah. to that. Sam, you you had you had the attitude is I, I got to get the 250000 bucks or else, and you just did whatever it took, right? Yeah. So, and yeah, so for this Vernon deal, a lot of them, a lot of, uh, most everybody, over half the money was previous clients. And I know that's not very helpful because when you're just starting out, I was like, great referrals. I've heard that before because that's useless because um, I don't have any current clients to refer me to. So, well, but one of the things I teach is guys, get that first one done. Like, how important is it to get the first one done? You take, you treat that first one like gold because then they talk. And then now all of a sudden, the next person you talk to, you can refer them back to that first person. And then those people start growing. And really, you only need a core of, say, five, six, seven, most 10 people. And all those 10 people know other people. And all those 10 people are going to keep coming back. And if you keep making that group of money, that group of people money, they're going to keep coming back for more, aren't they, Sam? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I booked a booth. That's something else that I did, too, um, that had some ROI to it that actually helped with my credibility, too. And anytime you go out there and speak to a group or do anything, like I, I love how you're coaching Michael Bug through his his stuff because uh, he's, he's putting out daily stuff on social. So there, there's an element of familiarity happening. And it doesn't cost anything to do that. And he's finally starting to pick up some momentum. It's really cool to watch. Yeah. But like I booked a booth at a similar event to what you hosted and it cost me five grand for that booth. But, you know, there was there was a few hundred people in the room and I was happy to pay the five thousand. And we got 50, we got one hundred thousand dollar investment out of that. So five grand of marketing costs is out of reach. It feels out of reach. Right. And that's a big chunk of money, especially when you just left a job and you got your little pension contribution back is $100,000 is basically what you're used to living on for one year. And you're going to take a big chunk of that, like five grand or 10,000 or whatever, and go out there and start marketing yourself. And, and when I say marketing yourself, you got to be, of course, careful and aware of all the securities legislations. Cause I did, uh, I, I think I shared with you, I got, well, you know, I think that's going to be another conversation, Sam, about that. Yeah. 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 I got myself in some hot water. So I know, I know you're putting out some content on that. I'm not going to belabor the point, but you got to make sure that you're not, uh, um, you know, you got to make sure that you're not advertising to the general population unless you have <clears throat> the ability to do so with say an offering memorandum or some, some other exemption, you're, you know, close family or friends or, or, uh, cool. family or friends of your friends or whatever. Um, Mind if we take a little bit of a, not a detour, but just a, a, a subset of that line of questioning. Um, now, it's okay if you don't have the exact numbers, but you probably do, right? Knowing who you are. Um, so you raised the $2.25 million. Um, how did you structure it? Like, did, what were the splits that you offered? Did you offer splits? Did you offer fees? Is there administration fees, acquisition fees? Like, what's the split to the money partners? What's the split to the working partners? If you can give just maybe some general buckets of how you structured it. Well, you know, as you know, it's got to be fair. And in my very first deals, I gave away a big chunk of the deals, um, you know, I, I, I've heard, I, you know, I even heard of one guy and I think maybe this is giving too much away is where he only took like a 10% upside of, uh, you know, as his first JV. Um, and I know that you teach, you know, 50, 50 can be really a fair way to go. No, it depends. Um, it all, every, every deal is different, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you, cause it's gotta be enough that you can support your costs. And a lot of the early deals that I did, I'm actually paying out of pocket for someone else to manage them because they don't, they don't, I'm not, my cut isn't big enough even to pay for the management. So I, I was doing a lot of the management for free. Right. So, so it's going to change quite a bit for, so for this last Vernon deal, Rod and I are sharing everything 50, 50 and our share is, uh, is 30% of the upside. So if we get if we get a two million dollar lift on it, we'll get thirty percent of that. Okay, uh, so just hang. I, I just want to make sure because I'm slow on numbers sometimes. So you're doing a seventy thirty split, seventy percent for the money partners, thirty percent to the operating partners. Yeah, that's and right. The operating so, partners are you and Rod at fifty fifty. Correct. So fifty. So that Vernon deal, I've got a fifteen percent profit share, and Rod has a fifteen percent. And did you have to put any capital in yourself out of that as well? Uh, well, we we got our diligence costs back yeah. once the property closed, right? Okay. So yeah, we had some money hanging in the wind. 
Um, but, uh, it was, uh, which, and that's the riskiest money, right? Is, is the diligence money. But, um, especially if there's a nice, nice chunk of equity, but do we, no, we we took our, all of our money out and actually we also get a fee, right? So we got yeah. three, we split 3% of gross, um, income. Okay. So hang on a sec. Cause it's funny how sometimes we just go so quickly cause we're in this all the time and people sometimes watching. So what you do is you charge a 3% of gross rental administration fee on a monthly basis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if rent's 50 grand and well, yeah, you Did you charge an acquisition fee up front? No, no. You're actually not allowed to do that. <laughs> well, um, unless you're registered or whatever. But the way that we're raising the money is as directors of the company. And our understanding of the securities legislation is you can't you can't charge money. You can't charge a fee for raising the money. You can't charge an acquisition or disp- disposition fee. I guess you could call it something else um, unless you're a, a registrant. As far as as far as I know, okay, I'd have to I'd have to. That, that's just based on our understanding and our brushes with uh, or my my brushes with um, securities well, I, commissions. I would imagine if you or Rod put in any capital into it as well, you would participate in that seventy percent share as share. Of course, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Now, did you structure it as a minimum a hundred thousand in, and each one is worth a certain amount of that seventy percent, or how did you kind of how did you position that? Well, it was interesting because, like, like we've been in doing this for a while, right? Ten years, whatever. So people start to watch you, right? Um, and we did have a minimum initially of like one hundred and fifty thousand, uh, and we raised half the money from people that already had invested with us. Um, but then we kind of, you know, there was a bit of a stall. So it's like, oh, what's going on here? Why are we stalling? Because um, we we had a pretty good reach and it seemed like we had lots of interest, but you know. An investment of that size is a big pill to swallow for someone for their first time investing with you. So we dropped it down to 50000 and um, raised the rest of the money that way with people that had been watching us for a while but didn't want to risk that much capital with an unknown, right? So Yeah. So how did it work out to – so I imagine it, I guess the real simple math would be let's just say it's $2.25 million for a 70 share. So each dollar is worth a certain percentage point of a share, I would imagine. Is that how, how does that how does that work? Maybe can you describe that quickly for everybody? Yeah, so this is a corporation that owns this. Yeah. There's uh, voting shares and non-voting shares. And the non-voting shareholders, who are the investors, uh, give a shareholder's loan uh, for their investment amount. So when when the building is refinanced, um, they get their um, uh, they get their shareholders' loan paid back, and they and they buy the shares for a buck each or or whatever the case may be. Let's say there's a hundred shares, and uh, we sell 70, 70 shares are uh, you know non-voting shares, and uh, thirty shares are voting shares, and we have those. So when the profits split, you just do the math that way right right well maybe we'll have to sit down with a uh, an excel spreadsheet and, and go through that again too so so well done so so bottom line sam fantastic congratulations yeah well thank you it's been an awful lot of work hasn't it yeah yeah and, and you know when you're when you're working through a deal um and i'll use our that, that 35 unit building for example and something terrible happens like a fire sucks a lot of time and there's no fee that you can charge that makes sense that's going to compensate you for for something like that so like that's that's been a year and a half now of going back and forth and but you know battling the insurance company we just had an adjuster get you know we complained enough i guess they finally got rid of the adjuster and gave us a new one so if, if things go well it's great but uh um, there's not um and you can make a good enough income to replace a job right um, but you got to be careful how you uh, structure structure things, and, and now it's of course how do you allocate your time in the in the best way is kind of um, my struggle because there's a balance. You got to you got to make sure you got deal flow coming. You got to make sure that you're doing um, stuff to raise funds, right? Like uh, um, you know the 
promotional advertising stuff. You got to make sure that you're spending time with your family. You got to make sure that your business is running good so that it's paying you some money, right? So, so, so what are you saying, Sam? This is actually like a real business? It's a real business. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. A real business with, with you know, 20 some million dollars worth of assets and, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of rent that's coming in. And, dude, yeah. you know, we better treat it like a real business, eh? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you're a steward of other people's money is really what it is. Because you look at it, you, you look at my portfolio, let's say I average 15 or 10, 10 or 15 or say 20% of the whole portfolio is my share of profit split. It's actually, it's actually not that amazing, right? Like, Maybe I'm, I'm, but it will be amazing in 10 years. And that's the difference between doing this as a living and working a job is, is, you know, you might get a buck an hour raise every few years in the job. And at the end of 20 years, that's still what you have. Whereas with this, you're, you know, you're going, presuming things go okay, you're going to, you know, you'll probably come out of it. Pretty, nice. pretty wealthy, right? Okay. So, Sam, would you like to leave some maybe some final words of inspiration for people that are watching this? And maybe, you know, so here's the thing. And within a 10-year time frame, you've gone from, you know, from bu- looking at buying one place to now owning multi-apartment buildings and raising $2.25 million and buying 49-unit apartment buildings. Your portfolio is now at $26 million. Like, what, what, you know, somebody's sitting here, maybe they're just getting started and they're going, well, Sam, offer me some hope. Right. Or some inspiration. What, what should I do? Just to stick with it. Uh, surround yourself with, uh, um, you know, with with uh, people that are trying to on the journey that you're on, but also people that are ahead of you. Right. And that's, I think, the huge value that uh, um, that you bring, Russell. I love the Facebook community, the private Facebook group um, that uh, um, that you've got, because there's people from all, all walks there. And I actually had the opportunity through interaction, interacting with, uh, with you and, and your group, um, to partner with somebody who's 10 times my size, more, more than that. Right. And I've learned, um, so much from being able to work, you know, with this guy. So, uh, you know, these networking events and, uh, and groups such as yours, Russell, are so important to your success in doing this because it is a very unusual path there's not there's a reason why there's a one percent it's because it's because there's it and uh, but it, it does it does snowball and i guess the other thing i would say too is the stuff that you learn you got to implement like you can't you're not i don't know not until you've been at it for a while i don't know how successful you'll be finding a joint venture partner at at a, a seminar until maybe until maybe you're uh, you've gained some expertise and maybe you bought a booth and maybe now you're speaking on the stage for a few minutes, right? That seemed to really propel micro. Or maybe you're hosting events. Like you need a level of authority and some and some experience, but it doesn't take long to get there if you're focused. You know, you don't need to waste three years hauling people's garbage like I did. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, just you. just master your craft and focus on it. And, uh, yeah. Well, I you know, helped. I just wanted to just acknowledge you, Sam, and, and I want to thank you. Um, thank you for a couple of things. Um, thank you for your kind words that you shared earlier. Um, you know, I'm truly touched and honored and blessed to do what I do and, and to help people. Like I truly, it means more to me to see somebody who I help succeed than actually my own properties that I buy. Like, and I know that sounds really weird and twisted and things like that, but but this is actually what I really love to do is to help share and help you and others build their portfolios. That is truly what I, I'm all about. But what I wanted to just acknowledge was acknowledge how you show up. Um, you know, lots of people all read the same book. Lots of people all had the same training. Lots of people all had the exact same level of things. You actually stepped up and you did it. You, you'd be the first one to say you made a lot of mistakes. You'd be the first one to say that it wasn't, you know, the easiest path, but you actually went and you did the path and look at the, the fruits of your labor that you're you're starting to reap now. And, and Sam, this is just the tip of the iceberg for you. There, I, I honestly, I truly believe for you, there's going to be times where we're going to have a webinar where we're going to be talking about a 1,500 unit apartment building you're buying. I'm putting yeah. it out there now. I'm just putting that out <laughs> there, brother. Oh, thanks, Russell. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, you definitely... Uh, uh, make your uh, 
you've achieved your goal of inspiring because, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, you, you certainly inspire me and, and I know everyone else out there. So I'm not surprised that your reach is growing uh, out to the outer reaches of everyone that speaks English because uh, you really have a unique, amazing um, gift. So thank oh, you. For thank you. Thank you. Um, Sam, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best place to get hold of you? If somebody, you know, maybe wants to reach out, maybe they're interested in Kamloops or what you have going on in the interior. Maybe they want to check out on some of your, your, your stuff that you got going on or what's the best place to get hold of you? Sam at heronproperties.com, I guess. That's probably the best. Sam, uh, hang on. I'm going to type it in here. Just so P-E-R-R-E-N properties. Yeah, dot com. I-E-S.com, yeah. All right, so there it is, guys. It should be on the screen there for you. So by all means, jump in, have a, have a good conversation if you'd like with Sam. You know, do you drink coffee? Lots of coffee. Lots of coffee. So what did you think of that podcast episode? Wasn't that an incredible story, an incredible in-depth discussion about scaling a real estate portfolio? So what was your key takeaway? What did you take away from that episode? So the big things for me that I took away from this was number one is just making sure you really brand yourself as somebody who is an expert in an area. Somebody who is just known for somebody who just takes action, keeps moving forward. And you know what? One or two really key strategic relationships and key collaborations with uh, some people like, for example, Sam and his uh, business partner, Dr. Rod McLaren, just one or two relationships can just open the doors to so many more opportunities for you. And just never be afraid to just shoot the puck and just get out there. And you know what? You may fail, you may come up short, but you're never going to be accused of not giving it your all and diving in headfirst with both feet. Okay, gang. So I sure hope you enjoyed this episode. Now, just as an FYI, before we um, sign off here, I have a few uh, more cool episodes upcoming and coming out uh, very shortly. You know, I've just done some wonderful recordings that um, you are going to get a tremendous amount of information and value from. So, you know, just for example, some of you right now might be in a stage where you might want to leave your job. Maybe you have the golden handcuffs and you've been working your job for 20 plus years. I have a podcast upcoming with a, an expert who I just saw a post that he made, someone who I know, someone you've been briefly introduced in my podcast, Mr. Jamie Gruber, a couple times uh, early on in the, in the podcast episodes. is somebody who he interviewed me, but I saw him on his Facebook as he held up the sign and said, I'm leaving my job after 21 years. Ah, I'm freaking out. Right. So I have Jamie and I interviewed him and we went through the process he went through to be able to leave a job after 21 years. And I also have another episode with Mr. Mike Bug, who, you know, wonderful. It was a wonderful opportunity to catch up with Mike. He's been on the podcast a couple of times. I think there'll be a second time, but he's just done so much in the last little while. It's just that we had, we almost probably had to create like three episodes to just catch up on everything. But I dove a lot into the conversation about leaving the job. How do you leave the job? Now you're a couple of years into leaving your job. How's it been? What advice would you give if anybody else wants to leave their job? And then another one I have is with Mr. Les Hewitt. Les Hewitt, if you're not familiar with who Les Hewitt is, Les is the author, one of the authors of The Power of Focus. I spent a couple years with Les uh, being coached by him, and he is just an absolute brilliant man. So if you're looking for some insights onto getting your focus dialed in and taking your focus up to the next level, you will want to jump into that episode. And a couple other ones that just make sure you subscribe to get first notification. There's one that I've, I've titled called, um, bro, bring the fire, uh, another episode of bring the fire, but it's not going to be my story. It's going to actually be one of my listeners who shared this wonderful story about bring the fire. And you're going to want to pay attention to that one. The next one after that is, oh, be curious, not judgmental. So if any of you are Ted Lasso fans, if you're not familiar with that show, I highly encourage you to check that out. I got a wonderful story about, you know, be curious, not judgmental. And then the last one I wanted to share with you is one that's called Champions and Relationships. Who are champions in your life and how the importance of relationship. And I share some resources in order to help you with your relationships. So guys, 
So many more episodes. I have episodes planned out for another dozen, at least. I usually do these in blocks of 12 at a time. So, you know, get three, four months ahead of myself. And there are just so many more episodes to come. I am just honored that you subscribe. I'm honored that you keep sharing the message. And I'm honored that you just keep coming back for more. That has been the intention right from the beginning with this podcast is to make it binge listen worthy. And by you just keep coming back and listening to all these stories and listening to all these incredible insights just means that an intention fulfilled. I'm not trying to flex or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, what I'm just trying to do is I'm just trying to say thank you. And I'm just trying to acknowledge each and every one of you for listening to the very ends and all these podcasts and, you know, humoring me with listening to some of my crappy jokes and some of my Saskatchewanisms and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just very grateful to serve. So with all that being said, guys, you know how we end these podcasts. We end them the same way each and every time. Remember, in every interaction you have with another person, always, always, always leave them feeling inspired encouraged and come from a place of love. Bye for now, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.